let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Habakkuk. Now, if you have a, a marker with Nahum, where Nahum was, we're going to go to the next book, and we're going to look at that today. Uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. So, again, if you need to use your index, that's perfectly okay. Habakkuk. I'm... I'm uh, enjoying getting into these, these uh, you know, quick looks at these books because it kind of just puts it together. And some of these things, I've read them many times, but never kind of put it together like, well, what, what is the big picture here? And uh, so, but before we get to that, how many of you uh, remember the five sections? What, what are the numbers, first of all? You're amazing. Scholars. Amazing. 512, 5512. The five sections of the Old Testament. The interesting thing about the New Testament, I'll, I'll throw this in a little extra. There's only really three sections, and the numbers are 5, 21, and 1. So the 12 is backwards, right? You turn the 12 around, you got 21. So you got 5, which is like history, and 21 is, is what? Letters. And then 1 is what? Prophecy. Right? Prophecy. So, so we have the Old section, uh, Testament sections 05. And what's the first one? Man, we got some confusion up here in the front. Law, right? The five books of Moses, or also called the law. Uh, what's next? Anybody got a clue? Let's all say it together. History, yeah, okay. I'm excited about the Old Testament too. History, yeah. I'm excited about the Bible. How about the next one? Poetry, poetry yeah, poetry, awesome. Now, what's the next one, Josh? Come on now. Don't let me down. Major prophets. And then, you, you know, if you got this one, you should be able to get the next one, right? Because... Major prophets and then minor prophets, right? So it's not that hard to get an idea of the sections and, and uh, you know, to kind of get, again, the Old Testament is not this closed book that none of us can ever get to, none of us can ever look at. So we have, we're looking at the book of Habakkuk today, and he's one of the minor prophets. Again, he's, he's uh, the minor prophets are called minor because they're shorter. That's the only reason, right? And now a prophet, a prophet from, you know, throughout the, the Bible, the prophets were called, their primary job was to, br to bring people back to God. That's what their job was, to bring people back to God. And, and uh, so I think for, for all of us, you know, to, to ask the question, as we look at these prophets, is are we listening? What does God want to say to us? And what is, how does he want to bring me back? How does he want to uh, work in my life to kind of get things going. So Nahum, we looked at Nahum last week, and Nahum, uh, if, in my mind, forever will now be linked with who? What prophet? What other prophet? Jonah. Someone had it right over here. Forever, because Jonah went and preached to the city of Nineveh, and they repented. Now this is some hundred plus years later, and... Nahum is speaking about and to the people of Israel and the people of Nineveh, the people of Assyria, 
but they have now, they repented at the teaching and the preaching of Jonah, but now they have turned back, and, ju- and God says judgment is coming. And, and as we saw, they were, they were one of the cruelest, most powerful empires. But were they too big to fall? No. Are there any that are too big to fall? Absolutely not. We think about our own country, and I, and I uh, you know, even on, as we celebrate Memorial Day, are we too big to fall? I think if we don't get right with God. Nahum also had some incredible things to say about the character of God, you know, that, that, that he's not just the God of love, but he's a God of power, a God of justice, God of holiness, he's good, he's patient, he's slow to anger. He's great in power. He's, he's a refuge in times of trouble. And he's a holy judge. So, so it isn't just about judgment. It's about all these things. And again, to have a balanced view of who God is. Not just a one-sided view. He's the God of love. Yes, he is. But he's also a God of justice. Or you're not one of those people who say, you know, God is just, you know, looking for ways to, you know, destroy people and judge people. That's not true at all once you take his whole character and his whole being into consideration. As I quoted last time in Ezekiel, it says he has no pleasure. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So today we're going to look at the little book of Habakkuk and I've, I've uh, put this title on it. If you can read those small words, uh, wrestling with God. Wrestling with God. Now, do you ever wrestle with God? Over questions that you might have? You just don't understand? Like, I don't, I don't get this, God. Why did this happen? Maybe, maybe right now you're in this place. And I, I want to say, as we talk about this, some people would say, no, it's absolutely uh, not right to wrestle with God. Well, here we have a true life story of a guy named Habakkuk. Or some people pronounce it differently, but that's the way I pronounce it. A true life story of this guy who is wrestling with God. He's, he's going to God with these questions. And this is about 605 or so B.C. Some people think that that his name might actually mean wrestler. That's kind of interesting. The wrestler wrestling. Now, some of you, the only wrestling you know about is, you know, what's on the TV with those big giant guys and the, you know. And don't ask me to say whether it's real or fake. Because I heard about a guy who said it was fake and he got like plastered, right? But Habakkuk is struggling. He's struggling to understand the ways of God. So the first two chapters, only three chapters here. The first two chapters, he's struggling, he's arguing, he's going back and forth with God over God's ways. And then the third chapter is this incredible chapter about faith. So so kind of faith comes out of this struggling, it seems. So that's kind of good, right? That's kind of a good outcome. To get to this place of faith, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So let's, let's start in, uh, in uh, chapter 1, and, and we're not going to read every verse there, but let's start in chapter 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received, how long, 
Oh Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife, and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted." Habakkuk now, understand the situation here. He's looking around at his own nation. He's looking around at his own people and he's saying, God, how long can this possibly go on like this? Why aren't you doing something? You know, why is there no justice? Are you, do you even hear? I'm, I'm praying. There are others, I'm sure, that were praying as well. Someone, someone said this and it's an interesting uh, a comment. They said most Old Testament prophets proclaimed divine judgment. Habakkuk is pleading for it. Wow. Pleading for judgment. In other words, God, why don't you do something? Don't you see what's happening here? There's so much bad stuff, so much going on. Like, you know, that's where Habakkuk was at this particular point in time. He saw all the injustice to the people who were good. Why are the evil people seeming to prosper? Why, you know, do the good people suffer? Why is that happening? God, can't you step in and make it so that won't happen anymore? I don't know about you, but sometimes we, we, we think that. I, I think that. God, why? Why? You know, I, so-and-so, you, your friend is, is struggling with cancer. You say, why did, you know, this is a, a godly person. Why do they struggle? Why, does, why, does, why are they afflicted like that? But does God hear? Yes, and we see in this particular book here, uh, God answers. Verse 5, look what he says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. He says, I'm going to do something. You Just look and see. I, I hear your prayers, Habakkuk. I, and I think God says that to you and I too. I hear your prayers. And I'm going to do something. You need to look. You need to watch. You need to, to see what I'm going to do. One of the most incredible scriptures in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that his work is at work within us. God can do so, so much more than what you and I could ever possibly imagine. And, and Habakkuk is praying. You and I are praying about stuff. And God says, you, you want to you just wait and see, look and see what I'm going to do. But, but look what God says next in, in uh, verse 6. He says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. He says, what is God going to do? Uh, uh, Habakkuk's asking for you know, God to step into his nation, the country that he's a part of. And God says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do something, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring the Babylonians. Now, the Babylonians were this ruthless people, and in verse 6 through 11 just tells how absolutely ruthless they were. 
And what's Habakkuk's response to God's answer? He says, no way. Now, none of you ever say that to God, though, right? God says, this is the way it is. This is what's going to happen. And you say, no way. Peter said it to, to Jesus, right? Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. And what did Peter say? No way, you're not going to the cross. We're going to step in. We're going to fight for you and, and, and uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. Like Peter saying to Jesus, no way. You and I saying to God, no way. That just doesn't add up, right? Because we don't really understand that he is God. He's the creator. He's, he's over all. He reigns. He rules. But Habakkuk, you know, he says, you are going to use them. Look at verse 12 and 13. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? See what he's saying here? He's saying, you, you know, you're going to use them. You know, we're, we're bad, yeah. Uh, you know, I was asking, you know, to do something with us, and we're bad, but, but you're going to use someone that, like them, they're, they're worse than we are. I don't get it. You know, I wanted you to do something, but that's not what I had in mind. And sometimes we pray like that, too. We pray like, we specifically pray, God, uh, can you help us in this situation? And this is exactly how I want you to help in this situation, by doing A, B, C, and D. And God says, well, you know, sorry, but my plan is E, and all yours are, like, useless. Because I happen to know what is going on. But why would you use them? You know, how many times that, you know, God... God does something, you go like, I just don't get that. I don't get that. I don't understand why you would do it that way. It doesn't, commute, it doesn't compute to my way of thinking, to my brain. That's why we have to always understand he's God and we're not. We're just people. And, and verses like Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, what does it say there? You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding. Because you and I don't understand. We don't get the whole picture. We don't see the whole picture from beginning to end. But jumping ahead to chapter 2 and verse 1, Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what Answer, I am to give to this complaint. So, so, you know, Habakkuk, he's kind of all over the map, but here he's saying, listen, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to look. I'm going to listen. I'm going to wait to see what God will say. And, and, and many who, who, who write about this believe that, you know, he went to get alone. He went to get apart, to... to to listen to God. What, God, what are you going to say? What do you want to do? And, and, I, and I just see that is so important. When you and I are struggling through things, you need to get alone. Do you have a place where you can get alone and be with God? 
Get alone and, and spend time with him and, and wrestle these questions out. Do you take the time to wrestle and to pray, but then also to listen? I remember when, uh, when, we had, when we were in Bible school where I met my lovely wife who is sick today, and she's not here. But I remember she had this place and I don't even know where it was because it was kind of her place. But she had, this, she had this rock where she would go to and, and, and just to be alone with God. And it was a, a beautiful setting, all these pine trees. It was up in the mountains at you know, 5,000 feet. If you've never left Rhode Island, you don't know what 5,000 feet is. <laughs> I understand that. But you can look at pictures. But to have this place where you can go, where you can just, it's just you and him. I talk about that a lot because I think it's so important. You say, well, I got a bunch of kids. I, can't, I don't even have time to, to, to even think, much less get alone with God. I think if you can be creative, you can find a place. Hey, go lock yourself in the bathroom. Okay. Find a place. Closet, you know, Jesus talked about the, the closet, right? Get alone in the closet. And I don't think he was talking about a literal closet, but it was a space, a place where you could go and pray. Just you and him. So Habakkuk's out there. He says, that I'm going to stand on my watch. I'm going to look and I'm going to listen. Interesting thing. God answers, doesn't he? God answers. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord answers, and, and what does he say? He says, the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. That's what God said to him. He said, listen, you need to write this down. And I think sometimes we need to write down what God is saying. And if God isn't saying anything to you, well, I don't think you're listening. Because I believe God speaks. He speaks today. Now, he's not telling you, he's not going to tell you anything weird that goes against what the Bible already says. If the Bible says something... Well, you shouldn't be doing this. And you say, well, God told me that I should be doing this or that. And the Bible says the opposite. Guess who I'm going to go with? The Bible, of course. But I believe God is speaking to hearts today. I, I think he does. I believe he does. And one of the, one of the best way he speaks is through his word. That, primarily through his word. That's why I tell you, you, you got to get it. You want to hear from God, you got to open your Bible. You got to see what he's already said. You, you got to see what he's going to say to you today through the word. I'm not saying you're going to hear voices. Some of you are already hearing voices. That's why you got to get into the Bible so you can get rid of those voices, right? And hear the voice, the true voice, the true word, God himself. But look what he said there. What did he say to Habakkuk? I just read it in verse 3. He says there's an appointed time. Write it down, but, but it's not going to be right now. 
It's, there's a time, it's, maybe it's going to linger, maybe it's not going to be you know, immediately, but wait for it. And sometimes you and I, we need to wait. It's going to come. God's answer is going to come. I can tell you that unequivocally. That God will answer you, and the answer will come, but you often have to wait. How many of you love to wait? You can't even wait till I'm done here. I can't wait till he's done. He's like yelling or something. Wait for it. It's done. You know, I'm going to be done. It's going to come. There's going to kind of come a time. I'm going to run out of energy. I'm going to run out of strength here. I will be done. I have to fold it up and go home. Whew. Wow. Look what it says in verse 4. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Now he's talking about who? He's talking about He's talking about who? The Babylonians. I got I got sidetracked on me going home already. <laughs> Golly, can you not believe that? I'm coming home, Elizabeth. Uh, the Babylonians, he says, he's talking about the, the, the ruler of Babylon, and they were very puffed up. They were very proud and arrogant. But look at the second half of verse 4. This is, you know, talk about finding jewels in the middle of, of these prophecies. It's found here in the book of Habakkuk in the very center, and it's really the heart of this book. But the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by his faith. The just will live by faith. And that's really the heart of this whole thing here, that the just shall live by faith. And what it brings us back to is, is having faith. In other words, you need to trust me. If you want to live, if you want to truly live, if you want to know what life is all about, God says, trust me. Not your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in Him with all your heart, with, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have. Trust me, He says. The rest of that section in chapter 2, He goes on to say that the Babylonians' day will come. He was going to use the Babylonians to bring some correction and justice and judgment to the nation of Israel. But he said, don't worry about the Babylonians. Their day is going to come. And in fact, it did come. And you can look in history and see when, when they fell, they were done. But getting back to that idea that just will live by faith, you know, that particular verse, that half of that verse was what in what set off the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther read this verse and he said, you know, it's not all about, you know, works. Because Martin Luther was completely lost in trying to earn his way to heaven, trying to make his way to heaven and, you know, crawling on the steps up to the, you know, whatever and, and trying to do all these things. And he said, you know, 
And, and the church, quote unquote, the big church was, was, you know, they were selling, you know, indulgences where, in other words, you, if you gave money, you, you know, you'll get this indulgence, which would kind of help make your way a little bit easier to get to heaven. Of course, they were padding their pockets with all the money they were making. And Martin Luther had this revelation that God is speaking. No. He had this revelation that the just will live by faith. That we're saved by faith. So, so he, he spoke about it in the, in, in, and, then, and then he saw he just, the light just came on. Of course, Paul had written about it in Romans chapter 1. He says, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He quotes Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4b. He quotes it again. In Galatians, he says, no one, clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The just will live by faith. And the writer of the Hebrews quotes it as well. You say, wow, faith. You mean it's all about trusting him? Isn't that what life is all about? Trusting him? He says, trust me. You have no clue. He tells Habakkuk, you've got to trust me. You don't get the whole picture. You don't get the whole thing. Jump ahead now to chapter 3. Habakkuk's response, look at verses 1 and 2. He says a prayer. Interesting, in chapter 1 it says the oracle. And now here in chapter 3 it says a prayer. And, and, and people have noticed that in this chapter 3 there are like some musical terms in there. So some think they see, that, they see it as kind of like a song. Kind of like a song. But look what he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Wow. That's a powerful little prayer, isn't it? He rest, he's wrestling with God. He's asking God to speak to him. He hears from God, and this is what he, he says in the end. He says, I've heard. And what does he say? I stand in awe. And his prayer says, in wrath, remember mercy. You know what gets me when we, have, we go through these times in our country and, and people say, God bless America. My response is this. Our prayer needs to be, God have mercy on America. God has already blessed America. But God have mercy in wrath. Remember mercy. Habakkuk's whole outlook changed. He, he got alone with God. He got to this place where he would look and listen and, and he heard from God and his whole outlook changed. I don't know how many times when I'm just like, I'm, you know, my brain is all twisted up and, I, and I, I just have to get to this place where I can be alone and, 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 and try to spend some time, try to get my, my thinking back on track and, and, and then just opening up the Bible or, or maybe I can't even read my, my, I can't even focus on the words on the page, but, but I pray and I say, God, help. 
And, and I can't even tell you over the last 40 plus years how many times God has like brought me around and changed me and put me in a place where I could just say, okay, okay. I don't understand it all. I still don't get it all, but okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hold on to you. That's exactly what happens here to Habakkuk. In verses 3 through 15 in chapter 3, he talks about God's glory. He talks about, you know, praise of God. He talks about God's splendor. He talks about the ways of God being eternal, incredible. This revelation he has of who God is. That's what changes us, by the way. Seeing God for who he is. That's what's going to change you and me. That's what's going to change our outlook. Seeing God for who he is. But then we jump to the end. Look at verse 16. He says, I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decray crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. I don't totally understand it all, but, but he had this encounter with God, right? And, and it, it affected him physically, didn't it? And sometimes we, we have an encounter with God and it affects us physically. Not always. Sometimes I think we're too, we're too uh, stuck on the fact, well, I need to feel. You know, we're so, we're so stuck on feelings. And sometimes, though, he does give us feelings, but we don't, you know, faith isn't always by feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes we, we're not going to get a, you know, a feeling like this. Sometimes we will, but sometimes we don't. But I, I just want to... I want to make that clear that sometimes we just have to trust, even though we don't feel, even though we don't, you know, get it and understand or maybe are physically moved by it. But he says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And then verses 17 through 19, he says this, though... And these are incredible. You've got to pay attention here on these verses, especially 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Though I can't see it, it's, it's not in the circumstances. It's not in the things that I have, not in the possessions that I have. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Wow. I was thinking back, and I remember, I remember uh, uh, there were some folks who used these verses at their wedding, and, and I don't remember how this fits into a wedding. But, but it's a powerful, and, and, and I read this in two different places, that, that, th- that this, these verses here, especially 17 and 18, are, are some of the strongest affirmations of faith in all of the Bible. Found here, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? In the book of Habakkuk, 
one of the strongest affirmations of faith in all of the Bible. That no matter what is happening, no matter how it looks, no matter how bad it looks, look what he says here. No, the fig tree, you got a fig tree in your yard, there's not even a bud on it. Right? There's no grapes on the vines. The olive crop, it, it, it's, it's failing. The, the things around you, they're, they're, they're not only bad, they're, they're failing completely. There's no food. No sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. You got nothing. Yet. That's a big connecting word, isn't it? Yet. How many of us say that? I have to confess, I don't, I'm not always in that place. Yet, I'm going to complain and moan and whine. Yet, when are you going to do something? We're going to keep struggling with this. Yet, it's not what he says. The just, the righteous will live by faith. He was told, yet, I'll rejoice in the Lord. Not in my circumstances, not in my possessions. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. There was an old commentator. His name was Sidlow Baxter. I just had to say that name. <laughs> Sidlow Baxter. What were, what were his parents thinking? I don't know. Anyways, this is what he said about this. This is interesting. He said, the literal is... Quote, I will jump for joy in the Lord. I will spin around for delight in God. Close quote. He said, here is the hilarity of faith. And get this, joy at its best with circumstances at their worst. He said, what victory may it be ours? Uh, I tell you what, yeah, that's a prayer. That's a good prayer. Joy at its best, with circumstances at its worst. What victory may it be ours? Wow. You know, we get a hangnail and, you know, life is over. Right? Something a little bad goes wrong. You know, that something goes wrong in the car, something bad on the house, whatever it is. And our life is over. He says, I'll jump for joy in the Lord. I'll spin around for delight in God. Now, I would show you how that looks, but, but right now I just don't feel you know, like that's a good idea for me to spin around. I got dizzy a little earlier and, and I had a little vertigo, and that's probably not a good idea because we got to finish this, I promised you. Some of you are still going, yeah, I'm waiting. There's not even a potluck today. Joy at its best with circumstances at their worst. What victory may it be ours. Thank you, Sidlow Baxter. I want to close. I want you to turn back to Genesis. You all know where Genesis is, right? You can find Genesis without looking at your index. Because it's right next to your index. Right? Genesis Let's go to Genesis, and we're going to just read one account, and we're, we're going to finish here. Genesis 
chapter 32. Genesis 32. This is about Jacob. Y'all know Jacob, right? Well, Jacob, Jacob was wrestling with God too. Jacob had some trials and troubles that he wanted to, 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 to you know, had to wrestle out with God. And, and he was about, the situation is this, he was about to see his brother who he hadn't seen for, for, for a long time. And he kind of ripped off his brother. He kind of, you know, he did some things that he shouldn't have done. Him and his mom, you know, had this plan and, and he did these things. But, but uh, <clears throat> so now he's about to see him. After all this time, he had, you know, he, he had plenty of fear. He had plenty of, you know, like, how's this going to go? And that, that kind of thing. And, and he ends up getting alone with God, wrestling with God. So let's pick it up in verse 24. <clears throat> so Jacob was left alone. Note, note that. Most of the wrestling that you and I have to do, we need to be alone with him. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daylight. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then, then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Wow. You say, well, it was just a man. Well, I think it was more than just a man. I think the, the verses tell us that. He wrestled with God. Now, God... You know, God saw that Jacob was persistent, and I think there's something about being persistent, right? Jesus talked about it. When you pray, keep praying. Be persistent. Don't give up. He was polite, though. He did say please, didn't he? At one point. Please. Where was that in uh, 29? He got somewhere, though. He was changed, right? His, his whole name was changed. He, he was changed. Interesting, though, he still had a limp, though, didn't he? He was touched. You see, God could have just wiped him out at any moment, you know. He could have just said, you're an idiot. But he wrestled with God, and, and God touched him and said, listen, you know, enough. He said, okay, I'm going to bless you. And he blessed him. And he changed his name and he, and, he, and he gave him a whole new outlook. And, and he was able to go forward after that, right? He went ahead. But he still had that limp. Just think about that. I think 
we wrestle with God, you know, and, 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 and sometimes we, and, and maybe it was because of, of Jacob's not realizing, not recognizing that, that this was God and that, you know, that God, you know, had to show him who was who. And there was a little bit of that, and he, he'd always remember that as he's walking along, he's walking with a limp. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And maybe you and I, you know, we, we come to this place where we, something happens and we, we, we just have to, we have to get alone with God and God does something. And, and there's, a little, there's a little something left. Maybe to help us remember that we don't forget what God has said. We just, we, we, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, our memories are not all that good sometimes. But God leaves these little reminders, perhaps. So, is it okay to wrestle with God? I think so. Habakkuk did. Jacob did. And you and I do too, but we got to keep in mind who he is and, and, and stop and listen. And remember, in the end, the bottom line is trust me, he says. That's the bottom line. Can you trust me? Will you trust me? Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Father, our gracious God, we come before you now. We're, we're, uh, we're human. We're frail. We're weak. But you are God. We sang about that in Psalm 90. You are God. Father, some of us are, you know, have bruising, breaking trials that we're going through right now or questions that we're, we're just like overwhelmed with. And, and I know that you want us to bring those to you right here, right now, but also I think even more importantly, more especially at that place in the closet, that's, that quiet, separate place where we can listen for your voice, get along with you. Help us to be persistent. But most importantly, Lord, help us to trust and walk in faith and not by sight. Father, perhaps there's someone here today that, that needs to cry out to, to Jesus Christ for the very first time and say, Jesus, save me. I'm lost. I need help. Help me. Save me. Rescue me. Today, I trust you. I believe in you. Today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's all stand, sing together, shall we?